0: This AfriCast is sponsored by Vodacom Business Internet. Vodacom Business Internet LTE is a convenient solution for businesses that can't access fiber internet. With a wide range of solutions with average speeds of up to 25 megabits per second, Vodacom Business Internet LTE is up to three times faster than 3G. You can find out more by calling 082-1960 for free from a Vodacom cell phone or head to www.vodacombusiness.co.za. Welcome to the final edition of the AfriCast for 2021. This edition is once again sponsored by Vodacom Business Internet. Thanks very much to them for sponsoring this AfriCast. Um, as always, joining me as always is Clinton Matos. Hello again
1: everybody. And
0: Robin DiCietti. How are you? You guys, uh, you guys are having a good time. It's the end of the year. Everybody is uh, sending out their emails saying I won't be available until January. I'm
1: so tired, Brendan. And with uh, hate, I, I'm reading those emails and seeing the things on Twitter. It's like, oh, closing the office today. And then uh, someone on Twitter said, oh, I'm only closing on the twenty seventh. And I thought this was going to be one of those, oh, I'm suffering more than you, kind of things. Yeah. And then they're like, oh, but we get an unlimited number of holidays every year. And I was like, don't, don't, don't come with that <laughs> much stuff in my mentions, man. Come on. <laughs> and yourself, Robin.
2: I don't know. The days are blurring. Is it? Is it the morning? Is it the evening? Is it Monday? Is it Tuesday? Who knows what
0: it is? Yeah, I've kind of like I, I tweeted out yesterday that any time I type on the right-hand side of my keyboard, uh, it just becomes a complete mess, and I have to retype the entire sentence. So it, it's time for a holiday. It really is time for a holiday. Uh, But before we can go on leave, we're going to take a look at some of our favorite things or some of the biggest things that happened uh, throughout 2021. Um really just to round off the year, take a look back and see what we might have missed or things, or what you might have missed rather, um, because we didn't miss these. We, we, we all thought long and hard about our decisions. Um, so let's start off with the well, what you consider to be the best or biggest news story of the year. Uh, Robin, let's start with you. What, what, what was your biggest or best story of the year?
2: Yeah, um, I wouldn't necessarily classify it as big or best, but it was uh, an important story and I think probably one that we will be either referring back to in coming years or will become a topic of conversation moving forward. And that is when we covered the Fair Work Project uh, around about the middle part of the year. Uh, and their kind of work as regards how gig economy platforms in the country are operating and particularly focusing on their treatment of workers within the gig economy. And unfortunately, a lot of the big tech firms, um, your Ubers, uh, uh, unfortunately scored quite poorly as far as the project's research went. Um, Some of the kind of locally spun up and operated uh, gig economy platforms did fare better, but it's is necessarily by a large margin. So there's still plenty of work to be done. And um, I think as far as gig economy workers, uh, people that are really on the front lines as far as having to deal with issues surrounding the pandemic is concerned, um, I think they, their plight is probably something are gonna to be touching on uh, over the next few years as well. Um, I'm not too sure whether this issue will necessarily be coming to, an head, to a loggerhead at any time soon. Uh, there doesn't really seem to be any push from government side, as far as I can see, in terms of addressing addressing the needs of gig economy workers. It seems like they very much have to fend for themselves, and it looks like big tech firms are quite happy to keep the status quo. So, I'm I'm I just I'm just hopeful that it doesn't necessarily turn into something violent. We have seen, for example, uh, Uber drivers. Uh, strike and try and lay out their concerns uh with uh the local representation of uber to no real avail and and that seems to be the situation across the globe as far as uber is concerned so it doesn't look like the situation is going to change and i just hope that nothing terrible has to happen in order for that change to come about so yeah that was probably the most important story I think that I covered uh, this year. Uh, Obviously, you could touch on a whole number of different things, but I think that's probably one we're going to be looking back on over the next year and in the coming years. It provides a good litmus test, I think,
0: for a study like this to, to kind of show us what the situation is like and what needs to change. And I think many people will agree that the way. Gig economy businesses do business in South Africa, particularly those from outside of South Africa. Um, there's a lot of work to be done in that respect.
1: Yeah, and it's uh, it's not just in South Africa. I'm sure if you looked at similar stuff from uh, other countries, <clears throat> but I think it hits hard in South Africa because of the high rate of unemployment and the, um, I don't want to say the pipe dream that they offer. Well, it is employees. a pipe dream.
0: I mean, it's the whole thing of yeah, you can be your own boss, sure, but I mean, at the same time, you're not really your boss because you still rely on the platform. You need to pay that platform a percentage of what you earn. I mean, it's a, it's a great promise, but many of these, many of the Uber drivers and participants in the gig economy, as I'm sure people would prefer they be named, um, and by people I mean business, the big businesses um like yeah it's uh, they just you can see that they're not happy with the the status quo and change needs to happen um we're actually organizing an interview with uh uber south africa as regarding this exact topic um that will be taking place early in 2022 so keep an eye out for that uh clinton what is your biggest news story of the year
1: Um, For me, it has to be the fact that the um, COVID vaccine came here and was offered for free in a reasonable amount of time. Mm. Um, I know we usually cover tech, but I mean, it's such a big thing. We can't ignore it. Uh, I think in late 2020, the vaccine started rolling out and I had a deep fear in my heart that South Africa was going to be looked over completely or we were going to get it so late that things would mutate and become much worse. And Mm. I mean, you can argue that that did happen. But I think we did get the vaccines in a reasonable amount of time. And I know there was a lot of problems. Um, it arrived late. The rollout wasn't, you know, perfect. Um, how the the age groups were chosen maybe had you know issues that could have been improved. It wasn't perfect. I'm just glad it happened. Um how it, well not how it did. I'm glad it happened at all. Yeah. Um I think in certain circumstances, we wouldn't have gotten it at all. We would have just had a fend for ourselves. And I still have a lot to say about the fact that we make the damn things here, and we had such a problem getting them. That's a discussion for another day. But yeah. for me, I'm going to say the single news story was the headline you can now get the vaccine in South Africa. Um, and then, <laughs> a few months later, my age group can now get the vaccine in South <laughs> Africa. Um, and yeah, and it also being free it was a, another big you know sticking point i was also worried that it was going to say no it's here but it cost you know five thousand rand um and again i know there were safeguards in place especially for developing countries like south africa and i know there's still uh you know problems in the way of getting it Mm -hmm. such as the fact that you need to register online i know there's a you can do it through what's it called um that sms function um usd but Again, it's not perfect. I'm just glad it's here. And uh, I, I had so much fear that, um, especially my parents weren't going to get it because my dad got very sick. He got double pneumonia. He was in the ICU for a long time in a very bad state. And the day that he got his first vaccine, I felt a, a huge weight mm. I left all off my shoulders. Um, even more so than when I got it. And uh, that's not me being cocky, being like, oh, I'm younger. You know, I'll deal with it better. It's just that I was more worried for my dad than I was for myself. So that first day that he got it was a big day in my life that I'm I'm sure I remember for a long time. I'm just very happy it happened. So yeah, that's my biggest news story. Um, I guess it's more an event than a a singular, you know, one blog post. Yeah. But I don't don't think we can overlook that. And I think in a few decades' time, uh, in a textbook, it will say, you know, X date, that's when the vaccines arrive.
0: Yeah. Uh, and I think also what concerns me, though, about this whole thing is how hesitant so many people still are about getting a vaccine, especially yeah. uh, this week with President Cyril Ramaphosa um, or, sorry, testing positive for COVID-19. I lost my words there for a second. Um, we wish him a speedy recovery, of course. Um, and yeah, I, I think that a lot of people are questioning like, oh, but I mean, he still got it even though he was vaccinated.
1: That's not how vaccines work, but uh, I'll leave you
0: to go and read up about that on your own.
1: I read such a good analogy for this, where people say, what's the point if it doesn't prevent me from getting it, and I can still die from it? Well, you know what? Uh, A seatbelt doesn't stop you from having a car accident. (laughs) A seatbelt isn't guaranteed to save your life. But if you're going to, you know, have a head-on collision with the truck, do you want to be wearing your seatbelt, or do you not want to be wearing your seatbelt? Yeah. And... As terrifying as it is, a lot of people say they don't wear seat belts, but they're really dumb, and I'm not afraid to say that. Um, but yeah, it's a, the seat belt is a great analogy. It's, it's not perfect and it's not infallible, but damn, you really want to be wearing that belt when the truck hits you. Yeah. So yeah, whenever someone, I, I don't say that to people's faces. Any person I've ever met, and I've met a few of them now, who say I'm not getting the vaccine for X, Y, and Z reason. Um, I just stopped talking to that person <laughs>
0: yeah.
1: because there's no point wasting a breath. Um, what's that saying? Oh, you can be the world's best grandmaster at chess, but if you play against a pigeon or just crap on the board and think it won, Yeah. There's, there's no point arguing with people. I think at this age, with so much death and so much everything that has happened over these past two years, if someone wasn't jumping in line to get that vaccine... There's no reasoning with them. Yeah. I, I truly believe at this point there's just no reasoning with them. And again, can say a lot more about this topic, but that's my topic. Please get vaccinated if you haven't, even though I just said most people won't if they haven't already.
0: Yeah. Think about it. Be be smart. Um so my story for the year is one that is actually still happening right now. And that's a vulnerability in a utility known as logging for Java. Um, it was discovered last week, uh, and basically it's a utility. I'm going to explain this as simply as possible. So if I miss our technical nuance, I'm really sorry, but I'm trying to make this accessible for everybody. Essentially what logging for Java is, <clears throat> is a utility that you can add to something like a login form for a website where, um, and it doesn't have to just be that, but generally the example that's being used is when somebody logs in. Uh, essentially, this this utility will take what you what you input into the system and create a log of it. The issue is that the functionality of logging for J or log 4 J, logging for Java log for J. Um, the issue is is that you could essentially add a whole bunch of functionality to this utility. So, if somebody were to put in a postal code, for instance. You could say that rather than uh, spitting out the postal code into the log, put in the address of this person uh, into the log. Uh, now, this might not apply to South Africa, but in the UK, you can plug in an, a postal code and it will take you right to the person's house. So there there are some really cool things that you can do with this. However, what it does allow is it also allows you to run a program um, through the logging server. So it will pick it up as okay, this person said that I need to log, or the program says I need to log this, but within this command, it's telling me to go to this website, find this file, download it, and execute it. And this is a really big problem because um, while many people believe that they aren't using Java, logging, Log4j is present in many applications. Um, we had a conversation with a senior security advisor at Sophos on tuesday about this and he discovered log4j in his raspberry pi somewhere where he never thought he would see it but there it was um and he had to update uh his his linux distro within that environment um so this this problem exists across a whole bunch of organizations Microsoft, Amazon, Apple are just some of the big names. Um, and while we don't have a full picture of how many businesses this affects yet or how many websites this affects, uh, at the same time, we won't know until everybody has addressed the, pro- the the vulnerability. Because whoever discovered this vulnerability decided to put it out online for everybody to see um, without going through the proper due diligence and reporting it uh, responsibly to the uh, organization that maintains this, which is Apache. Um, so yeah, this, this vulnerability is out in the wild, and it is incredibly scary. At the moment, it's being used to mine crypto um, because it's an easy thing to do. Uh, but there is a fear that this is just going to get out of hand to a point where um, businesses are going to be compromised on mass. Uh, what makes this particularly wor- worrying is that it's it's been discovered now at the end of the year, where IT teams, system administrators, and business owners are incredibly fatigued, very tired, and the complexity of this problem and the complexity this problem presents rather is, is immense because you have to go through every single system in your environment in order to see whether the log4j is present and whether the the, the vulnerability exists. So it's a massive headache, and I suspect that we're going to see this, um, see this talked about into the new year, um, just simply because of the fact that we don't know how bad this can get. Um, yeah, it, it, it's really, really concerning, and in a year where cybercrime has been such a big talking point this is a massive one um i know that there's been talks of ransomware there's been many ransomware incidents throughout the world especially here in south africa uh but but log4j is a big one just because of how how nuanced the problem is and where it's located so yeah pretty bad one for anybody who deals in it um, but yeah, that's that's my biggest story of the year so far, and I suspect it's just going to get bigger and bigger and bigger.
1: That's and it's really not great. like you can just uh, you can just change your passwords. Mm-mm. It's uh, so much more far-reaching than that. Um, I mean, to give you an
0: idea, right? So let's say that you are a big enterprise who has a web application for your customer relationship management, right? And this application was built off of several other platforms, and one of those platforms has the log4j vulnerability in it. Now, you can't go and fix it. You have, to get, you have to contact the vendor, and the vendor needs to fix it, which just makes this whole thing so much more complicated because while it, you might detect it in your environment, you might not necessarily have control over updating it or fixing it. You have to wait for the platform or vendor to do it. So, yeah, massive, massive L at the end of the year. Um, yeah. It's also sparked a conversation about big businesses using open source uh, software and relying on hobbyists to plug the holes in their business um, or in Fortune 500 companies, which I, I suspect will be another big talking point moving into 2022. But yeah, Log4J, not a fun thing. Right, let's move on to something a bit more light hearted um this year was a bit of a, a quiet year for games at least in my opinion um we didn't have big big names that everybody's looking forward to releasing a la cyberpunk 2077 although i could be wrong right just because i like a certain style of game doesn't mean that other people don't so let's start off with you robin what was your favorite game of uh 2021
2: yeah apologies uh, i'm gonna go off uh, the podcast brief and say that uh, I did not have a favourite game Ooh. in oh, 2021. Oh, oh, oh. Um, Fighting words. I like it. Well, it's just that nothing really stuck with me. I mean, we're in the fortunate position where we get to play uh, new new titles with uh, irregularity. And, but that also means that we have to pour quite a bit of time and effort into completing a game before we can write up a review or some kind of coverage for it. It also means that we often don't return to games. uh, But the ones we do return to are often really great. Um, That didn't happen for me this year. If I think about last year, for example, I I went back to Ghost of Tsushima several times in order to complete all the little side quests and missions. I really loved that game. It ticked a lot of boxes for me. If I look at what I played in 2021 and what I reviewed, nothing really stuck with me in the same kind of way. And I think we also discussed it uh, during last week's podcast when we looked at the Game Awards. Yeah uh it was a bit lackluster for for lack of a better term um so yeah for me 2021 was a bit of a dull year as far as gaming went uh there are some big titles on the horizon excuse the pun there um <laughs> so hopefully 2022 will be a better year but 2021 was mm, a bit meh for me
0: okay fair enough i mean i'm very much with you on that there was very little to get excited about. Clinton, did anything excite you in 2021?
1: Yeah, so we also talked about this last week, but I had a lot of fun with Marvel's Guardians of the Galaxy. Um, my expectations were incredibly low because of the or the train wreck that was Marvel's Avengers. So I was coming into this, and what they would put out before for this game was that, oh, you're a wise cracking space guy, and it's all the voice actors you know, and... It could be cringy and all the bad taste was in my mouth from Avengers. And then I came into this and the writing was very solid and the gameplay was fun and the story was engaging and I kept wanting to play, you know, half an hour more, an hour more to see where it was going to go next. And then the game ended and I was like, yeah, that was fantastic. I, you know, I've been thinking about it after we had that discussion about the, the game of the year awards and I was thinking, you know, was I... Happier with this game because it was a bit of a slower year, and I got this game right near the end of the year, and I thought, yeah, there was a lot of fun. I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if I gave it an easier ride because it's been such a harsh year, like Robin said. I- I'm not sure, but I had a lot of fun with it, and I would recommend it to people. Um, you know, games and everything else are expensive, so I don't know where I stand on just outright buying it right now um, when it's so pricey, but. I do think people should play it, especially if they like Guardians of the Galaxy from the comics, if they like the new MCU um, run of it, the movies, uh, if you like the specific characters or the voice actors. I just had such a fun time. And every little part of the game that I discovered, I thought, oh, that's really cool. Oh, I like that. And, you know, it's again, to bring up Marvel's Avengers again, a big part of that game's economy is trying to sucker you into paying real world money for costumes. In Marvel's Avengers, you have to just find the costumes lying around. Sorry, in Marvel's Guardians of the Galaxy, um, you just find those costumes lying around, and they're hidden pretty well. And uh, usually for stuff like that, I would just look up a guide online um, and find all the costumes. But I had a lot of fun trying to find them for myself. And you get sets of costumes where your whole team will match. And I spent so long trying to get all my guys wearing, you know, matched outfits. Usually I wouldn't give a damn about stuff like yeah. that, but I really cared about it this time because, you know, they're my little team and I want them to look nice. Um, I really think this game or a sequel to this game could be another Mass Effect. Um, There's a lot of choices you make through this game and I've only had time to play it once, so I don't know how much those choices m- really matter at the end of the day. But I think with a bit more rpg elements and a bit more decision making this could be the massive effect game that people have been wanting you know ever since Andromeda came out and crashed and burned another you know train smash there people have been wanting a game like this and i think this delivers on a lot of what made those games beloved and a sequel with just a bit more could really do that and I don't think we've really gotten a lot of sales numbers and what we've seen has said it's successful, but not like a runaway success. I think a sequel could be in the works. And if it is, this is, I'm really excited about where the series could go. And I'm really excited about this kind of um, sub-genre of Marvel's whatever games. I don't know how exactly it will work because we've got the PlayStation-exclusive um, Spider-Man, Miles Morales, and those characters... Um, but then you've also got Marvel's Avengers, which now has its own version of Spider-Man. So I don't think those two could overlap. And now we got the Guardians of the Galaxy. Will they overlap? You know, I'm not sure right now. But I could see them overlapping in the future. Um, they could always do... I mean, the multiverse is so hot right now. There's a new A24 movie coming out that also deals with multiverses. So if you know all the owners, Square Enix, and um, what's the developer of the Spider-Man games again, Robin? Yeah. yeah. If all of them sit down with Disney or Marvel and they think, okay, we're going to make a big, ridiculous, like, event game that has all these characters, I think that would be amazing. Um, They would have to let consoles that aren't called PlayStations have access to Spider Man, which I don't think will happen, but, you know, anything could happen in the future. We didn't think Spider Man was going to be in the MCU, and he is now. So I don't know what's going to happen with these games, but it has really made me excited about them again. I did play Miles Morales um, a while ago now, and that was fun, but I think a lot of people found it a bit too short and a bit too feature poor to really get us as excited as we were, and that game's getting a new sequel, Craven Hunter and Venom and all of that. So, Guardians of the Galaxy, I, I don't think it's a perfect game. It's got lots of problems, but it's so much fun, and I was just having... A good time the whole way through. I talked about this in my review, which we'll link to. Uh, games when you sit down and play them, you can feel that the developer, or the publisher, had not an ulterior motive, but they had something they wanted to accomplish with that game. Every piece of media has, you know, an end goal or not an objective. And I think Marvel's of Guardians of the Galaxy was just to have a fun time, and I really did have a fun time with that game.
0: Awesome. Uh, So mine for the year um, was actually one that I didn't expect would hook me in. Um, And it irks me to say this, but uh, it's New World. It's a game that was developed by Amazon Game Studios, um, which I'm not a fan of Amazon at all. However, New World kind of hooked me, and I'd never expected it to. So I'm not a massive fan of MMO games. Uh, I didn't get into World of Warcraft until it was way past its prime. Um, And even then, I really struggled to get into the game because I got into it late. Uh, And when you come to a game late, you kind of left behind. Um, Some games kind of help catch you up a lot more easily than others. Um, But New World gave me an opportunity to get into an MMO on the ground floor brand new completely fresh without any with, with everybody basically starting on the same footing um, if you don't know what new world is it's an MMO where you create a character and then what that character is capable of doing is something you decide kind of organically as you play the game do you want to use a sword cool well here's here's how you do that you level that up as you use it um, do you want to be a, a sort of mage character that heals people? well, here's uh, here's a life staff and here's how you you upgrade it by using it and you unlock new skills. And what I really like about New World is just how dynamic everything is. Like, if I go into an area where things are hitting a little bit too hard, I can simply go back to the area I was in, level up, and leveling up can take whatever form you want. You can do missions. Uh, There are people that literally don't kill anything in the game and just... you. Uh, upgrade their crafting skills by chopping down trees or fishing or gathering or hunting animals Um, you can you earn xp through everything you do in the game and i really really like that because sometimes you want to play a game but you don't really want to go and do the most hardcore activity there is sometimes you just want to passively level up and new world gives you so many avenues to to improve your character or increase your power and, and it's just a lot of fun the only issue I have with it is that uh, it, it, it's there, there are no local servers. so you're dealing with massive massive server delays. Um, and I think it's it's a product of the success that the game has had, that there are so many people trying to play the game. Um, over the months that that number has gone down and connectivity problems have been addressed. Uh, there have been numerous updates to the game. Um, so yeah, it's quite fun. however, I will caution that it's not a game for everybody. And I recognize that completely. It's I, I've told so many friends about how much fun I've had in New World. And they're just like, yeah, but I mean, it's an MMO and I don't really like MMOs. So it does give me an opportunity to to make new friends and meet new people. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a lot of fun. If you like games like um, World of Warcraft, obviously, um, but also RPGs like uh, Skyrim, and Mass Effect, and those sorts of things, then I, I highly recommend giving New World a look. Um, it is a bit pricey, so maybe wait until there's a December sale on Steam. It's exclusive to PC. Um, but yeah, I've, I've put in a, a fair few hours into the game. Uh, I never played it for review or anything like that. It was just something that one of those games that the bug bit me early on. I was like, hmm, this looks like it could be fun. And yeah, I, I've quite enjoyed it
1: just going back to price here, Brennan. Yeah. Um, it's just you pay up front and you you mm-hmm. get access forever, right? You're not Pretty paying for much. Per- okay. No, no, you, you pay um I, I'll
0: tell you what the price is now. It's 429 Rand. Um, it's a little bit more expensive than it was at launch because there was a special launch offer. Um but yeah, like you said, you do get uh, unlimited access. I say that. I could I stand to be corrected. Because Amazon could release uh, an expansion that requires a separate purchase, but for now, the base game you pay one price and you get to play it for as long as you want.
1: Because I missed the entirety of um, World of Warcraft becoming popular, becoming you know the thing, even though it happened right when um, I was like in my pre teens and then teens, it was I was prime, <laughs> uh, <laughs> wow, uh, addiction demographic but i i never fell into it and i think a big part of that was um just the fact that i had to pay every month like what the hell are you talking about i'm not doing that i want to pay yeah. for a game and i want to play it forever um so yeah it's, it's always been odd to me that that's a business model that still exists um i would have thought at one point they would have ditched it but they're still going and they'll be making money um so i like that there's an option now that just pay once and you get access to all of the game um I think there is some like microtransactions, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, they are. They are. Um, so, I mean, they're always going to try nickel and yeah. dime yeah. I but mean, I the, think
0: what I will say about this is that the 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 uh, microtransactions aren't front and center like they are in games like Destiny, where Destiny will like, oh, we've got a sale at the Eververse store. Bring us your real world money. Um, it, it's a lot more subtle, and I mean, there are events where they will like advertise that hey we got this cool new um transmog set that you can buy uh but i mean it's it's at the front page of the game and once you go into the game there's no like oh please come here and buy this please come here and buy that they they're very subtle in their microtransactions for this game oh, okay yeah uh I, I don't know if i'll ever actually try it um <laughs> i gotta it, dick- it, it, it requires a lot of time investments
1: i will say that so and I got addicted to Warframe at one yeah. point, and I'm never making that mistake again. It's like oh, I tried Crack and I gave it up. I'm not going to pick up, you know, PCP or MET. Uh, you know, I, I did my time. Uh, I got out, and every time they add a new update for Warframe, I'll have a little peek. Okay. So sure. <laughs> you in the menu as long as you don't order. <laughs> yeah added Max to warframe i was like oh god i love Max," um but i didn't pick it up then so i think i'm i'm gonna try my hardest to never get back into those living games even though i, I played a pokemon card game and that's just gambling for kids i don't want to get into that yeah um i'm very happy that a lot of people who love this kind of game but have left other games like wow i'm just never going to play it because i i know what kind of person i am yeah. <laughs> i have to not to get all philosophical here, but I have to be true to myself and I'm never going to play New World or any other MMO unless they release a Pokemon MMO, then I'm screwed and you guys will never see me again. Um, please, please don't do that, Game Freak. I think ever since Pokemon became something, people are like, oh, we want an MMO. But I'm like, please don't, please. You'll you'll ruin me, <laughs> please. So yeah, I'm, I'm happy you got that, Brendan. Do you think this is a game you're going to be playing indefinitely or do you think you're just trying to get to a spot and you'll call it a day
0: um i think the latter i only have time for one game as a hobby and at the moment that is destiny um that's another complete crime. yeah that's a that's another thing so yeah uh i, I don't th- i think that i will continue to check it out and play it and jump in especially over the, the festive break but i don't think it's a, a new obsession for me don't fall behind on important updates and leave your business exposed. With Vodacom Business Internet LTE Night Owl data plans, you can schedule your most important security updates to take place between 12 a.m. and 5 a.m. That means you can enjoy full speed during the day without updates eating into your data allocation. For more information, head to www.vodacombusiness.co.za. Right, let's move on. Um, There was a lot of technology released in 2021, um, from laptops to graphics cards to Intel announcing that... uh, we'll be releasing standalone GPUs. Um, but let's take a look at what we played with this year. Um, starting with you, Robin, what was your favorite piece of tech from 2021?
2: Yeah, again, apologies. I'm going to go off script. Um, it's something that is I didn't review this year uh, and didn't come out this year either. Uh, it's a mechanical keyboard. It's the Keychron K2 that I picked up a few months ago and I've been loving. Um I'm relatively new to the mechanical keyboard scene. I know there is a dedicated and uh, community uh, with regards to mechanical keyboards and um, the different nuances uh, that are involved with it. Yeah. But I picked up the Keychron because it's a name that kept on popping up. Um, I don't know if that's just clever marketing from them or their paid <laughs> influencers quite a lot of money. Um, but yeah, I picked it up. Uh, and I've been really enjoying it. Um, build quality is fantastic. Uh, obviously, it's a mechanical keyboard, so the touch and feel of the keys themselves is really satisfying. But oddly, the reason why I've stuck with it and I'm still enjoying it is the sound. Uh, these are these are my one has uh, red switches in it, which is one of the more quieter yeah. switches available. But Oddly, the sound of hearing the mechanical keyboard while I'm working almost reminds me of being in an office again. I know that sounds weird during the pandemic you know, to, be, to be yearning to be back into an office, but for me, it, it has almost, it almost taps into a little bit of nostalgia as far as experience I used to have in the office where there's always kind of a little bit of noise in the background. Yeah. Um, so white, I guess you could term it as white noise. And yeah I just find that really satisfying uh, uh, apart from the actual timing string itself yeah and yeah that's just one device that I've already been doing I know it's not new but it's one which it is quite expensive uh, is expensive for a lot of people it's expensive for me <laughs> um but yeah it's one purchase I haven't regretted. It, so yeah.
1: Robin, you and I to nice. talk about um, mechanical keyboards later because. Oh my goodness! Here we go. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I actually looked at this keyboard, and it's a long story why. But basically, you can't get the kind of switches I like in South Africa called um, Cherry MX Greens, and these well, key- you can if you like watch websites. No, oh, no, no! If I import it
0: and pay four thousand
1: oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. for a okay, keyboard, Lee, um, I have looked at it. You can get one from Amazon for like $150 and the import fee is $200 and it makes me want to die. Um, but anyway, getting back to that, the Keychron's, um that Robin and I were talking about, they're just freely available on Takealot. Um, something that makes them special is that they have uh, hot swappable keys. That means that if you want to change out the type of switch that's in there, you don't need to break out a soldering iron. You just pull oh, it wow. So that got me excited because you can get Cherry MX Green hot swappable keys um two problems once again it would cost like two or three hundred rand just to get the keys and then i would still need to buy this keychron keyboard um the other problem was that keychron actually actually um mostly supports i don't want to call them a knockoff brand they're a cheaper brand called um gateron gateron yes thank you Mm. they completely skipped my mind so gateron makes a version of the greens they're called gateron greens (laughs) <laughs> Knuckle brand again. And I bought, I spent like 250 bucks buying a sample pack of Gatron greens again from Take Lot. First thing that happened is that I really don't like their feel compared to real greens. Second of all, I think I bought the last ones in the country because the box was so dirty and old and beat up and after i bought it i went back to that page the next day and they were sold out and they've still been sold out so i think i bought the last ones in the country so even if i wanted to do this plan i can't so yeah i've been having a whole time with that but robin you you must try out some other things dude if you like the, the sound of keys you need to try out blues i don't know blues. if you've ever tried out blues. out those are really good. Um, I
0: have I have a keyboard with blues, and it was the best decision I ever made. What you had blues, and then yours died, and you got blues no, again, no. right? So I had knockoff Browns. Um, okay, and they were fine, but they were the keys. Just one morning, I woke up, and my keyboard was just stuck uh, on the the full stop key, the period key, and it didn't matter what I typed, didn't matter what drivers I uninstalled, it would ju- it was just stuck. So I went and bought myself an Acer Predator keyboard. Uh, It's the Atheon 300, and it's got Cherry MX Blues. Um, And I got it for an absolute bargain, Uh, and it was the best purchase I made all year.
1: I I don't know how you found that, because I don't think that site, it's the official Acer site. Yes. I think it's even, like, crawled by Google. (laughs) I can't even find results when I look for it. And they're selling, like, you know, office chairs and terrible membrane keyboards and then right there they just got like a nice blue switch keyboard keyboard it's so weird (laughs) but i'm happy found that so for those who don't know the ones that i like cherry mx greens are identical to blues the difference is that the greens require a higher actuation force actuation force actuation again it's a whole rabbit hole so yeah, Robin, you must uh, I think next time, you know, when the pandemic is enraging, um, I have a little switch test board, which you can try out all the different types of cherry keys and you can see those. Um, but then you, you might not be as happy with your keyboard. It's one of those things where you experience it and you can't go back. I don't think any of us here can go back to a, a membrane keyboard. That would be totally. Yeah, I've,
2: I've definitely been bitten by the bug.
1: Yeah, so yeah, we all need a, we need a support group. God, someone someone hooked me up with a, a green keyboard. Oh, my God. We'll, we'll do advertising for it on the site or something. I, I need it. I need a pad. We'll been... shill. We'll shill for oh. keyboards. Anyway. Clinton, what was your uh favorite piece of tech of the year? Oh, my God. Such a love-hate relationship this year. I, very luckily, managed to get an RTX 3060. Because I had an R, uh, sorry, an RTX 3060. I hate the names of these things. Yeah. I used to have an RX 588 gigabytes, yeah. and that that card is still pretty good for most things. But like Robin said earlier, we do, you know, have the the fortune of being able to review a lot of new games, and a lot of new games one require newer hardware, and two are usually much less optimized. And I was playing Deathloop with my 580. And it just wasn't cutting it. I was had everything set to absolute lowest. And I was struggling to get anything playable on that. So I managed to find an RTX 3060 at a price that's lower than retail, but still much higher than what the American recommended retail price is supposed to be. We've talked about the supply shortages stuff before. And it actually made me a bit sick when I paid for this. Because that 580, I bought it for like 2,500 Rand in uh, I think 2019, and that card now sells for like eight thousand <laughs> because of the ridiculous stock shortage stuff. And oh, sorry, can
0: I just jump in here, Clinton? So last year, uh, I bought myself an RX fifty-six hundred XT, and I paid uh, yeah. seven grand for it. Yeah, I went this week to WooTwear to go and check what the price of that
1: card is now. If I were to sell it, I would make money. Yeah, it's, it's the most bonkers, ridiculous thing. The wisdom has always been with PC parts is that it's like a car. As soon as you take it out of the box, the value drops immensely. And every day you have it, it loses value. And now because of stock shortages, it's gone the opposite direction. Mm. Where if you bought something a few years ago, even if you paid like double the price, you can probably make money if you decide to sell it. Um, you, you know, our, our co-worker works in a different, you know, like um, sister company. Uh, Dion, he bought a, a GTX 1080, um and when he bought it, I was like, "What are you doing, man? That's like the highest end card, and it's the most expensive, and it could kind of do 4K, but it was struggling a bit." And I think it was like six grand. And now he's the smartest man in the world because he bought that a few years ago. Because yeah. you can start like twenty. It's it's ridiculous. I bought this is a brand new card, an RTX 3060, and I think that 1080 still outperforms it in certain games and depending if you use rtx or dlss so i haven't talked to dion about it but it's like you, you don't ask people about money and that's what these things have become um yeah you know, if you bought a card like that it's ridiculous the top end prices have now become like low to mid range yeah again i paid two and a half i actually i think i paid two three I, it was like closer to two and a half with uh delivery and now that is like a sound investment. And now if you're paying if you're paying less than 10 grand for a 1080p card right now, it's it's a deal, which makes me sick to the core. But anyway, the, the price isn't really why I have such a love hate relationship with this right now. The the love is that this card just performs much better than my 580. I mean, there's nothing you know to say about that. It's a much newer card, much newer architecture much faster and has more vram it's just an upgrade Mm. but i've been having a lot of problems with it um you know i used amd gpus because they were the better bang for your buck for i think six or seven years i I don't want to say i was an amd fanboy i bought what was best for the consumer at the time in Mm. 2019 and back then before you know ray tracing and before dlss amd was on top in terms of gpus um for value that is not not at the top overall, just in terms of value. So, I've had an AMD GPU for six or seven years, and I've been happy with it all the time. I can recall I think maybe one driver that was bad from AMD. Within a few months of Nvidia, I've had countless um, driver problems, just countless. And I I don't want to say I feel betrayed, but every forum I went to always said, oh, AMD always struggles with drivers. Nvidia is better. I've had the complete opposite experience. I've had black screens. I've had hard crashes. I've had inexplicable problems like the black levels on my computer changing on their own. And these sound like the type of problems that would be completely fringe as to not even mention. But if you go look online on the discussion boards about these um, driver updates, most people are, are having them. So I've been enjoying the performance. I've been absolutely hating... The ridiculous driver problems I've been having. And for the amount of money that I paid for this thing, it was, I think, seven and a half. It's a ridiculous amount of money and it makes me sick to talk about. I shouldn't be experiencing this nonsense. And I have a problem for some reason. I'm reviewing an ultra wide screen right now. Whenever I access Netflix, my screen just turns black for like a good minute or so. And if that happened to you, you'd think, I think my computer has a virus. But this is an ongoing problem with some combination of this Nvidia driver, this graphics card, uh, widescreen support in Netflix. But I've never experienced so many problems in such a short amount of time with drivers. And if I didn't see all those internet comments saying that they're experiencing the same problems, I would have uninstalled Windows like three times because I would have thought I had a virus. So, yeah, that's my favorite thing of the year because... You know, just raw performance. It's been great, just in terms of raw performance. This ga- this graphics card has even been able to do a bit of 4K widescreen gaming. It's been crying. Uh, it's been <laughs> up seventy degrees and hundred percent usage trying to do that. But for when I switch back, when I give this um, widescreen 4K screen back, because I'm I'm not keeping it forever. It's actually going back next week, and I switch back to my regular 24 inch 1080p 60 hertz screen this graphics card is going to serve me very well for many years. And hopefully, um, by the time it's aged out of being the raw performer, it can then use DLSS to maybe render stuff at a lower resolution, but then bring it up to 1080p. I still have no intention of going to 4K or 1440p or 144Hz. For me, and my (laughs) kind of bad eyesight, uh, 1080p at 60 is still... The gold standard, and i I'm really not wanting for more. And I think this 3060 is going to last me for a long time. And I'm hoping it's going to last me at least you know three, four, five years. Not only to recoup the insane price that I paid for it, but also for hopefully the uh, silicon shortages to be all sorted out. So yeah, that's my one tech, you know, one device that I choose out of this year. And it did actually come out this year, and Yeah, real love-hate relationship. Man, what a screw world PC is in right now.
0: Right. Uh, Mine is, I'm also taking a leaf out of Robin's book here and not talking about something that was released this year, but it is something that I received this year and have been using way too much. Um, And that is a Google Home Mini. Um, I received it as part of a desktop from Telcom. So thanks, Telcom, for the free Google Home Mini. Um, and I placed it in my kitchen. And uh, this year, I've really just been diving into baking and cooking. And it is one of the most useful things in the world because all I have to do is say, okay, Google, what uh, what is five pounds in kilograms? Like, Obviously, I'm not using five pounds of something. Um, and then it'll just tell you what the conversion is. The other thing that I love about it is being able to just say, okay, Google, set a timer for x amount of time and uh i have a timer set um it's just such a useful little thing uh even just having it as a speaker to play music through spotify or youtube music or whatever it might be Uh, it's just such a useful little thing and while it's not something i would have thought to go and buy for myself i am now considering getting one for pretty much every room in the house um where i can just go uh okay google set a timer here Um, and and it's just so so useful and I never thought that something like this would be useful to me um, especially because I'm not a fan of the internet of things I think that there are so many problems as regards cybersecurity with the internet of things that have just kind of floated by without a second thought Um, but yeah I, I really really enjoy this and it's just such a useful little thing to have and have on your network as well uh earlier this year when i was reviewing a a tv um i was able to log into the tv using well by it detecting my google home mini um so that was really really useful uh it's it's just i I know i've said this a lot but it's such a cool little tool and i never thought that i would use something like that
1: and 2021 has
0: showed me that I do. I never
1: would have thought you would have, Brendan. <laughs> like yeah. you said, you're, you're out of all of us. You're the most conscious about uh, cybersecurity and stuff like that. And, I and mean, so there is wiretap. The, there is a wiretap in exactly,
0: your house. Exactly, <laughs> it is. I mean, the, people say that as a joke, but it is legitimately one of those things. Like I, because of this thing being in my house now, I keep a very close eye on what Google is logging, what it's recorded in terms of like voice stuff. Uh, because it does sometimes record what you li- what you're listening to. You can adjust those settings, um, but sometimes Google does an update and uh, the settings get reverted to to the default. So mm-hmm. that's what happens with something like this. You do need to kind of be aware of it being in your home and what you are saying around it as well. Like for instance, I have noticed. That uh, a lot of stuff that I'm recommended in terms of online advertising is stuff that uh, I've mentioned while using the Google Home Mini. So, for instance, uh, I'll be like, uh, can I use condensed milk in place of milk? Um, Like, things like that, right? And then it will start recommending to you, like, oh, you know, you can buy condensed milk in bulk from TakeOver. And I'm like, I don't really need that much condensed milk, but thanks anyway, Google Ads. Um, so there are things that you do need to be cognizant about. I don't think it's something that everybody should have in their home, especially if you're not um, au fait with technology and how Google's how Google behaves online. So, yeah, it's just uh, for me, it, I think it's something that I never thought I would use, but I have really just turned into it, and it's it's really, really great. Um, let's oh, – does anybody have a
1: questions or any comments? Yeah. Um. I've been thinking about getting one because I'm so lazy and sometimes the laziness is to a point where I don't even want to take up my phone to Google something. <laughs> so, over the last few months, as I've gotten more and more weary, I've been thinking, man, I just wish I could say, hey, no, I don't want to say it in case someone has this one last week. Activation word, you know, where do I go in Pokemon to find this one? Yeah, like, it's like It's such a quick thing that I need to... I need to open, take out my phone, put in a password, go into Google, I need to get some site. And I don't want to throw shade at other websites. But when I write a guide, I put the stuff right at the top that you need. But a lot of people, for SEO reasons, they bury it in the middle of the story, surrounded by BS. So it becomes, it completely takes me out of whatever I'm doing. And, you know, ruin my immersion and all of that. But It becomes something that should be very quick, and it completely removes me from the game. And if I could just say, hey, G-Word, where is this thing? It would make my life much easier. But uh, I just can't have a microphone in my house at all times, even though my phone is that. I know know the phone is the same thing, but I put it in the other room sometimes. So that's my defense.
0: Right, uh, let's move on to our final two things. Um, Clinton and Robin, you guys, we've, we've discussed this <laughs> beforehand. You you both have the same answer for this. So let's start with you. The favorite movie for 2021. Robin, do you want to kick it off?
2: Yeah, it's you.
0: It's <laughs> <laughs> simple, very simple. Uh, do you want to tell us yeah. why, though? Tell us why it's your favorite movie of the year.
2: Well, for one, I've probably been building it up in my mind quite a bit. Um It was delayed as a result of the pandemic for obvious reasons. And it's a piece of media that I have enjoyed uh, for a number of years now. Um, I'm probably one of the few people that isn't a fan of the David Lynch film. Uh, I am a fan of some of the series that have been uh, created around the the Dune universe. Uh, But I was really interested to kind of see what the director, Denis Villeneuve, was going to actually do with this film. He's directed um, Arrival... Uh, um he Blade also Runner. directed later on the and uh I'm, f- uh I'm forgetting now he directed one with Jake general again which is also really good
1: wasn't it uh like, no it was, was prisoners, prisoners prisoners sorry I'm mean, oh,
2: okay. it escaped me yeah so he's directed some really good films over the years and some that I really really enjoyed so I was really interested to see what he was going to uh deliver and from a visual perspective um, it was probably one of the best things I've seen in quite a long time Um, I think the reason why I've chosen it as my favorite film of the year was purely for the fact that I watched it 3D IMAX um, and I haven't watched much at the cinemas uh, this year so that kind of experience and I just allowed the whole film to kind of wash over me and just enjoyed it from that perspective I do obviously have Several issues as far as how the story went about, uh, elements that they missed from the book, but just from a visual perspective and the spectacle that I think uh, a, a piece of media that like Dune deserves, I think they really
1: they really nailed that aspect of it.
0: And Clinton, you you were also the same. You, this yeah, your favorite movie of the year.
1: So when I saw the press preview, I did talk about it in one of our past podcasts, but uh, I mirror a lot of what Robin says. Um, one of the things, this movie is very loud. Um, I, when I saw it before, Robin, also in IMAX, I said to Robin, you just might want to be careful. It's very loud. And Robin was like, no, I'm sure I'll be fine. And then the next day, Robin uh, sent me a Slack. Uh, and he was like, yeah, it was uh, it blew my eardrums out. I don't know why it's so loud. But man, uh, yeah, it, it was fantastic. I was really engaged with it the whole time. The movie was very long, but it... Um, uh, like I said, it didn't feel like it dragged at all. How long is this movie? It It is very long.
0: It's uh, is... two, hour, two and a half hours.
1: Just yeah, over two and a half it. hours. And, and what's funny about that is that it only covers half of the first Dune book. Yeah. So th- this series is so long and so pondering. Um, so they had a lot to do and they didn't even do everything that they wanted to. And like I said in my review, when I reviewed it, we didn't have news that a sequel was coming out. But I think now that the sequel is coming out, the movie becomes retroactively better Mm -hmm. um, because it it feels like the first step in a big story. And when we didn't know a sequel was coming out, it felt unfinished. This one movie feels unfinished. But now that we know one's coming out, I can more than recommend that people go see it. Um, I'm excited to see it again, probably through streaming. I'm not going to go to the movies again for that because there's other movies. Um, I just want to say, when we're recording this, uh, Spider-Man is not out for the public. Uh, <laughs> I, I could see that becoming my favorite, um, getting a lot of good reviews, not just from like massive fanboys. Um, 100% and then, uh, on Rotten Tomatoes yesterday. Yeah, no, I, but Rotten Tomatoes is weird with the way it does percentages. Uh, and the other thing is The Matrix is also coming oh, yeah. out later. Both of them are this month, and it's after we're recording this podcast. So one or both of those could supplant Dune for me. But I had such a good time with it. I've been a fan for the bo- of the book for a long time. And it just delivered on everything it tried to do. I'm so excited for the second movie. Uh, they say it's coming out in 2022. I have my doubts about that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, this movie got delayed for so long <laughs> and so hard that if that movie comes out in 2022, I'll be very happy. I really wish that they recorded both movies together. You know, like they did with um, what's called Back to the Future, like they did with Infinity War and Endgame. I think then continuity would have been great. And it also maybe would have meant there was six months. Yeah, between these movies instead of, I think it's going to be a year and a half, not factoring in any unexpected delays. So, yeah, it's fantastic. And it's by far my movie of the year right now. But that's without Spider Man and that's without The Matrix.
0: So, my movie of the year is uh, Zack Snyder's Justice League. So, I know there was a lot of conversation about it. I had never seen the previous Justice League. Um, after watching Zack Snyder's Justice League, I went back, Clinton, at your, at your honor and <laughs> no. advice, to watch the original one. And, my God,
1: these two movies are, are, are
0: insanely different
1: like i can't believe you had that experience it's it's unlike having 90 percent of people who saw the snyder cut who saw the first movie and either said this needs another go around and or my god that was awful so you having the opposite reaction the opposite way around rather is uh, really funny to me
0: (laughs) i mean so uh, i went into the justice league blind not knowing what i was what i was going to get um First off, I had to purchase the movie. I couldn't just uh, rent it. I had to purchase it through Google Play. So, um, But that's beside the point. The movie is four hours long. And while it was criticized for being that long, I personally thought that it was a great length because there were so many beats to cover in this movie. And I think each section that the movie plays out in, or each part or chapter, I can't remember at this point, um, each everything feels deliberate about it whereas the other one I feel the original film I just feel that they were like okay well justice League that's what we got to make that movie it, it was just I, I I'm actually speechless about how different these two films are um the like the whole dark side plot or dark seed i don't how do you say his name
1: uh, yeah, yeah Dark Side. both from official sources, yeah. so go with whatever you want. Who cares? It's made up.
0: Yeah, Darkseid. Um, <laughs> like that whole plot line was really awesome in Zack Snyder's Justice League. Um, and, and it, he wasn't even in it in the yeah, <laughs> I, I was just like, how How is this guy? I was like sitting watching the original one, going, "Okay, so when's Darkseid gonna show up, or is it just Dobby? Like, is that uh, what this whole movie is about, Dobby and the search for the 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 wonderful, wonderful boxes." I mean, it was just—I don't know—but the the Zack Snyder Justice League, I think, as toxic as the fan base is that got this made, I, I'm glad that it was made. Like, I hope that something like this doesn't happen again, where people are attacked and and death threats and all sorts of stuff happen. But I'm so glad that this movie was made because I think it it it, it did justice to the Justice League. <laughs> Unfortunately, what makes me sad about the movie is that we're not going to get, like, a follow-up.
1: You know, yeah. like, uh, well, uh, maybe we will, will in future, but as it stands The, stand, the Flashpoint movie is happening with Ezra Miller. That's, that's like, already, I think the, it might have been finished, the the shooting already. But then again, um, Justice League was finished shooting, and then it was ruined in the edit by, yeah. the, uh, by the production companies, by Warner Brothers. So, I mean, that's not saying a lot, but we are getting Ezra Miller as the Flash again. Yeah. And the rest of them are kind of, and we did get Wonder Woman 1984 afterwards. Even though that movie sucks, my God, what a bad movie Wonder Woman 1984 is. But these characters are surviving in one way or another. Um, ben Affleck has said maybe he'll come back. Um, uh, what's the other one? I almost said Mark Hamill. <laughs> I know. Um, big nerd guy, Superman. Henry Cavill. Yeah, Henry Cavill. Henry Cavill um, um nerd guy. Again, that's it's late bad. in the year, guys. Um, he's also said he'll come back, and then sometimes he says he won't come back. I think it's all negotiation strategies to get yeah. more money. Um, so we might see more, but there's some guaranteed on the way. Um, but the, yeah, but to get back to what you said, Brendan, I don't think we're going to get Justice League 2. Um, and also when we talk about Our favorite shows to end off the podcast. The Witcher 2 is also, well, the second Witcher season is also coming out later this month, but it didn't come out in time for us to discuss it.
0: Yeah, that actually segues. Let's talk about our final (laughs) thing, which was our favorite series of the year. So this was a very tough one for me because I prefer series over movies, and I watched a lot of series this year. But let's start with you, Robin. What was your favorites? Uh, I'm guessing it's the live-action adaptation of Cowboy Bebop.
2: Uh, yeah that's up there that's getting <laughs> up there um, <laughs> so mine is anime it is Attack on Titan, Attack on Titan season 4 part 1 uh, I know technically speaking the first episode aired in December of last year but uh, I'm re- I've never been one for technicalities Yeah. Uh, the rest of the season played out in January and Feb so I really enjoyed the 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 first part Um it's just as, as far as the main character, Aaron Jaeger, I, I, I don't want to get too involved into the lore of Attack on Titan. It's it's simply too vast to get into right now. But I really like the way they developed the character. He has almost done a complete 180 as far as his development goes. Um, previously, he was a really annoying protagonist who was quite weak and relied on other characters to help him of the time. And it, it was like really one of those reluctant hero kind of roles that it did really translate well for me. I, I find really annoying. Uh, I found the supporting cast uh, a lot more interesting. But this year, well, in season four at least, he is now kind of assumed his mantle and it almost turned into the antagonist now as far as the storyline goes. Um, Mapper, who are the production studio that kind of took over the... Uh, at the beginning of season 3 and now are going to complete uh, season 4 as well in the new year um, they've done an st- outstanding job they have a slew of really big hitter titles on their roster uh, for example like uh, Do-hi- Do-hi- Doruhidoro they're also going to have Chainsaw Man next year, just keep an eye out for our story about anime to, keep, to watch out for in 2022, that should be coming out during uh, we break um, but yeah the, uh, the-
1: mm-hmm. Uh, I need to ask you, Robin. I watched yes. the first season like everybody when it was such a big hit. And it had the best opening soundtrack, the best opening theme. I watched the first season and it was fantastic. And then I completely lost it before the second season came out. And I eventually came back to the second season when it was out. And I watched the first three, four, five episodes of season five and uh, season two, sorry. And I was like, no thanks. And I never went back to watch the rest. Should I go back to Season 2 and then eventually get to Season 3? Because the, the series is over now, right? If I'm not mistaken.
2: Yeah, so it, it will end, so Part 2 will, end, will air next year, and that's when the series will, will ostensibly end. I um, thought
1: it was completely over by now. No, so um,
2: Part 1 kind of uh, essentially deals with half of the final arc, and then the second part will release next year, and then that's, that's it for Attack on Titan. So it, it will be one of probably the most watched anime series next year. So, back but, but yeah, you... to your question. Um, yeah, I should definitely go and return to it, I think. Uh, I think in season three, things definitely amp up quite a bit. Um, for me, uh, a lot of the story was kind of mired in mystery, and as you slowly start to unravel the different pieces and you get. Uh, you understand what the storyline is about, and some of the big reveals, and some of them are quite uh, significant. Then, then there are payoffs. I think. Do
1: they? Do they reveal what's in the basement? Uh they do. Okay. Yes. So, I, I remember. I don't want this to be like a lost situation where it's like, oh, what's in the uh, what? What's in the bunker? Or that BS. I, I remember. Don't you dare I think speak that, Ill of Lost. Not I've never house. actually watched Lost. It I've is never good. sat down. And there's so many essays on YouTube now saying, you know what, Uh, Lost is actually pretty good. It wasn't about the ending, it was about the journey along the way. I don't know why I'm doing like a a Beatles impression there. I don't know what that was. But I I see a lot of people have actually come around to Lost and I want to watch it, but it's not on any streaming services. I think it's like on Peacock. I think it's on like Peacock or something, which we don't even get here. And I'm not subscribing to Peacock. They could have... You know, free gold bars on there. I'm not subscribing to another student service. It's on Hulu. I have to to draw a line in the sand somewhere. Um, If they release it on like local Showmax, which I get for free as part of my parents' DSTV, maybe I'll watch it. But okay, so I think when the full end of Attack on Titan comes out, I'll watch like a recap for season one and two and then I'll just get back into it because I can't believe how far I fell off in season 2 why did they get rid of the original theme song I, I don't understand it's like you hit gold, stop digging why did they replace it
2: licensing so maybe Opening in all anime the opening theme songs uh, usually have like little tidbits or easter eggs in it and that's the same thing for season 4 as well um, it's not your typical kind of opening um, it's, it's, it's quite weird and peculiar it's not for everyone I think
1: I don't know. We uh, can. Can we all agree that that original theme song was a was a a, a hit? It was a ten out of ten. That
2: was a banger.
1: Certified Yeah. As a <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah, Did I'll t- I'll get back to it on your recommendation. Yes. What was your favorite series of the year? Mine was season two of I Think You Should Leave with Tim Robinson. My so, goodness! What a great show. <laughs> So when the first one came out, the original one, I think I watched the first episode and I was like, I don't really get this. And then the second season came out and I watched the first episode of the second season and I was like, I I get this. Um, uh, The second season of the show has the coffin flop sketch, um, which I think is the funniest single sketch in a show ever committed. I've watched it so many times on YouTube and I, I had such a laugh and this is kind of dark, but... Somebody, it, it was a real news story where a dead body did fall through a coffin. And every reply on Twitter was a reference to the show. And I, I knew what the reference was. They were just going to post screenshots of that scene. But I laughed every time. And I, I'll never forget, I watched the, that episode at like 2 a.m. one night. And I was laughing so hard, I was crying at, in my bed at 2 a.m. because of how funny the coffin flop is. Like, just, just watch the coffin flop on youtube it, it's an illegal upload don't tell anyone but uh, some sketches are actually up on youtube officially on the, the um netflix netflix is a joke uh channel you can watch it legally but man that that shows so good i hope we get like a new season every year or every two years netflix just needs to keep giving him money until he dies yeah yeah the, the second season I think it's better than the first season, not just because I kind of got turned off by the first season. I think he just got into more of a groove with the second season. And again, it's got the coffin flop sketch. So it's the best scene ever.
0: Yeah, Uh, man, that's true. So I watched the first one and like you, I was kind of like, eh, this isn't really funny. But the second one, oh my goodness, (laughs) I couldn't stop watching it. I was, I was in tears.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Robin, have you watched it?
2: I haven't, but based on what you guys are saying, I, I'm
1: going to have to watch it over the... I, I, think, I think start with the second season, as odd yeah. as it is. Um, and if you're kind of like... If you're one or two episodes in and you haven't gotten it, I think stick it out to like episode three. And I know that's like an hour and a half of your time. I think each episode is like 20 or 30 minutes. Just stick it out for a little bit. It takes a little bit for the type of comedy to kind of click I think that's its real problem. So just give it a little bit, and I, I promise you, you'll have a good time. I think just keep watching until the coffin flop. Uh, I think it so happens. It's not,
2: it's not linear, right? You, mm. you don't have to watch it. No, no, years. no. It's yeah, it's like sketch the- comedy. It, oh. it,
1: right. It's like um Key and Peele or other things like that. It's a new thing every few minutes. Um, Yeah, so that was definitely my show of the year. I was looking through what I watched, and I was like, oh, maybe this, maybe that. And then I saw that it came out earlier this year. And I was like, oh yeah, no question. That's my favorite. Um, so yeah, it's not usual that a comedy wins me out. It's usually some drama or something like that. And there's been a lot of Marvel shows in the last year. And I love Marvel, but the shows are lacking a certain something. And uh, this really did it for me. I, sh- I should watch it again. It's so funny. Or maybe I'll just watch the, the Coffin Flop sketch again. Uh, so yeah, that's my pick. Go watch it if you haven't. And if you watched a little bit of... Um, anything with Tim Robinson and didn't really click the first time, just, just give it another try.
0: Right. So now it's me. I, I have been, uh, I've been in two minds about this for a while now. Um, so ultimately I'm going to have to give my vote to Ted Lasso. Uh, I know it's, it's not a series that was released this year, uh, but the second season did wrap up this year. Um, on a really cliffhanger of an ending. I don't want to spoil too much uh, even though it sounds silly to say that. So if you don't know what Ted Lasso is, it's about an American football coach who goes to the UK to coach a football team. Um, uh, they're called AFC. Uh, I can't remember what it stands for. But uh, the, the, main, the main character is Ted Lasso who's played by Jason Sudakis. Sudeikis, Sudeikis. Uh, I'm going to go with Sudeikis uh, from SNL fame. Um, And it is both funny, heartwarming, and just such an interesting thing to watch. Um, So I actually started watching Ted Lasso after I started watching Foundation. So I started watching Foundation earlier this year because it seemed like a really good watch. It is very, very good. It's on Apple TV+. Plus. But as an aside to that, I started watching Ted Lasso because it popped up after I finished watching whatever episode of Foundation I was on at the time. Um, and I was like, oh, let, let's give this a watch. And I was hooked like a bass in a lake. It is so, so good. It, uh, in fact, I would say it is it is underrated for how good it is. I say that it has seven, seven Emmy Awards, but I, I think that not enough people have watched the show. It is so, so good. Um, Sudeikis' performance is fantastic. Fantastic. But so is Brett Goldstein, is Roy Kent, who I am still convinced is, uh, is CGI. Um, Nick Mohammed plays Nathan Shetty, who's, who's great, puts in a fantastic performance. But I think the two stand-up performances for me are for, from Brendan Hunt, who plays Coach Beard, who's just a very, like, sullen guy, doesn't say much, and has the most toxic relationship in the world. Uh, but he loves the person, so I suppose it's fine. And then the person who plays Rebecca Walton, who's the owner of the team, uh, Hannah Waddingham, um, she is fantastic. Like, I would not expect her to, to put on a performance like this in a comedy show, but she is so, so good. Um, I, I highly recommend giving this a watch over the December period. Uh, there is – Apple TV Plus does offer a free trial. Um, I forget how long it is at this point, and I can't check because I'm logged into Apple TV Plus. Um, but yeah, it is. It is so worth. Oh, it's a seven-day free trial. Sorry. Um, after that, it's eighty-four rand a month. You can watch all two seasons of uh, Ted Lasso in those seven days if you if you really put your mind to it. The only thing is that if you're on a Windows PC dealing with apple tv plus is a nightmare it is not very well optimized it is it's really really bad however on the xbox 360 the app there it works really really well um so i mean you might have to go through a bit of hair raising stuff in terms of using apple tv plus but man ted Lasso is so so worth it it is a fantastic show especially like the way they, they, they broach the topic of mental health, I think, is so, so important, uh, and it's really well done. It's done in a very subtle way, but it's still kind of the most important part of the episodes that it takes place in. Um, but I think that it, it broaches that topic in a really, really great way. Um, and yeah, I'm excited to see more seasons uh, seasons from the show. It's There are 23 episodes in total, and yeah, I... I highly recommend you watch um Ted Lasso because man it's one of those things where I wish that it was available to more people because I'm not a fan of Apple I don't like giving money to Apple but yeah it's so so good have you guys watched it at all
1: I I haven't but I've heard so much discussion about it and I've not heard one negative thing about it it's one of those public discussions where it's just glowing all the way through mm. um yeah, but like you said, I don't like giving Apple money at all. <laughs> uh, I'm kind of hoping it comes again to Showmax. Showmax kind of sits in this position where it's big enough that a lot of people have access to it, but it's one of those small local things where they can a lot of streaming services... Yeah, yeah, they're just like, whatever. And because it's attached to DSTV, which is a, a regular, like quote-unquote, cable company, um, sometimes stuff that's supposed to be only on cable comes to streaming. So I'm hoping it comes there. Or maybe I'll just leech off of someone who gets a subscription and I'll, I'll go watch it with them. But yeah, I, I've heard so much good stuff about it. It's just, i gotta I got to see it. Um, off, you don't need to convince me.
2: Yeah, I've watched the first season. haven't got around to the second one yet. It's just one of those shows um, I'll probably put in the category of your like, US office or parks and recreation. Something that's really accessible and really feel good.
0: Um, yeah, so it's just one of the things that's so easy to watch. Yeah, it's uh, I I really, I really do recommend it. If you haven't watched it yet, go and watch it. The second season kind of ends in a, what's going to happen next? Give me season three right now. Um. So yeah, uh, I do just want to mention that the reason we haven't mentioned any Disney Plus series uh, is because <laughs> Disney Plus isn't available in South Africa. I've heard great things about Loki and WandaVision. I uh, don't, don't, things... don't know what you're talking about I haven't
1: any... yeah, I've heard great things from people in South Africa they must uh, they must fly <laughs> a lot during this pandemic
0: but yeah um, that's all of our recommendations or our favorite things from 2021 we've been talking now for a very long time so yes. I think it's time to wrap <laughs> up uh, my voice is getting a bit scratchy um, but yeah thank you so much for tuning in uh, to the AfriCast this year thanks once again to Vodacom Business Internet for sponsoring this AfriCast Um, And, yeah, have yourselves a safe holiday season. Um, Hopefully we don't get too much more of a lockdown. Um, And we'll see you again in 2021. Do you guys want to say some final words to everybody? Robin?
2: Yeah, I think you've been 2022. And take care, everybody. (laughs) Don't worry. Long year, long year. year.
1: And yourself, Clinton, any final words to everybody? Just stay safe out there. Uh, Be smart. Get the vaccination if you haven't already. That's it. Thanks so much, guys. Have yourselves a
0: fantastic rest of 2021. We'll see you in 2022. Goodbye. Bye. Cheers. With cap plans ranging from 5 gigabytes all the way up to 200 gigabytes, Vodacom Business Internet LTE BizDay plans are suited for any small business and any work environment. Vodacom Business Internet LTE's wide coverage ensures connectivity whether you're working from the office or heading out on vacation. To find out more about how your business can get connected to Vodacom
1: Business Internet LTE, head to www.vodacombusiness.co.za.